Welcome to another success story. I hope you enjoy it. Hi there, and welcome to another interview. Today, I've got a fabulous Neil Keddy with me. Hi, Neil. Hi, yeah. Hi there. Um, you're in Wales, and I think I came across your feed because you have an association with Richard Smith, the keto pro, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I met him. I'm trying to know. I think it was about two, maybe three years ago. And um, I think he was looking to like promote himself and get into like more gyms and things like that. So he came to my gym and asked if he was interested. He was looking for, I think he was looking for someone who was into strength sports that he could kind of prove that you don't need to be like high carbs to, to like be strong. And um, so I was like, yeah, because at the time I was like, I was, was like 105 kilos, I think I was. And um, it was just after COVID and I was just like, yeah, I could, I could you know, lose quite a bit of weight. And um, he worked with me for a bit and he sponsored some of my competitions that I ran with the disability comps and um, and a few others with Iowa. And um, yeah, we worked with each other. He showed me like the benefits of keto and I think he was more keto at the time. I think he's gone a bit more towards like yourself. And, um, and yeah, it, it worked really well. It worked really well with him and I lost. What did I lose? I think I about 25 kilos in about three months I lost with him. And during that time, I was competing in a powerlifting comp. Um, so I qualified for the Brits. And then a week after that, I'd done a strongman comp, which I didn't place very well, but I still did what I expected to do for myself. So I didn't like underperform. It was just everyone done better than me. But um, but yeah, I'd done all that whilst I was doing keto. And one of the main things I think I found whilst I was doing it was my recovery rate more than anything. It wasn't so much um, like I was getting stronger or anything like that. It was more of just the recovery side of it. Like if I'd done like a heavy set on a bar, I said that like a deadlift. I'd find that I didn't have to sit down and rest for so long. And I found that by the times I sat down, my heart rate went a lot lower, quicker. And which meant then my workouts became shorter and my recovery became a lot quicker. Like even like when you get DOMS the following day, I wasn't really getting that. So I was like, oh, this is different. You know, normally I'm just, you know, I'm drinking my bottles of Lucozade or my pre-workouts. And, you know, I could be sitting down five, 10 minutes before I go and do another set because it's a heavy set. But now all of a sudden it's like, I'm not eating hardly any carbs. I'm only having like his electrolytes that I was using at the time. And, um, it was just like, Ooh, this is different. And, um, and yeah, I found that because the recovery was getting a lot better, I could train a lot more. So as the weight was coming off, I was still... Not necessarily maintaining my strength, because obviously you lose a lot of body weight. You, you, your strength is going to change slightly, but it didn't drop as much as I thought it would. Because, you know, you, you lose 25 kilos. It's not all going to be body fat. Some of it's going to be muscle. But even if you look at my Instagram now, I'm only like, I'm around 80 kilos now, 80, 79, 80. And my bench at the moment is pretty close to what I was when I was 105 kilos. So, um, so yeah, it's taken a while to get back there, but, but like I said, my recovery rate is a lot better than what it was when I was like 
eating my massive bowls of pasta and my rice and my tuna and do, do you know what I mean? The old, like the bodybuilding kind of diet, if you like, and where you eat pastas and the rice and, and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I did my bodybuilding show in my 20s. Ooh, one and done, by the way, but I was definitely high. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had rice and chicken. I never had tuna, by the way, because uh, in those days I was allergic to fish. I was always jealous of my yeah. training partner who went oh, on tuna and pasta was always a big thing for me. It was always a big yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a real bodybuilder sort of thing. But I, I'm just for the Americans and other people that don't use the metrics. Um, that you know, twenty five kilos is yeah. over, over fifty pounds of weight loss. Yeah, it's about fifty five pounds, sixty pounds. Yeah, but and that was literally within like. Like three months, and it was during Christmas as well. So you can imagine, like all the temptations through Christmas. But it was like the end of January. I had the powerlifting qualifiers for the Brits, and then I think it was like the week. It was I think it was a week later. I had a first time strongman comp, and I managed to do both of them. And even the week after, like. As you can imagine, like in, in when you've done like the bodybuilding, like you need that recovery afterwards because you're so burnt out. And I just found that all of a sudden it was like, yeah, Monday morning, now I can, I might not be able to train as much, but I could go back to the gym and I could train again. And and, and that's why I found the major difference doing, especially low carbs, because I still, I still kind of, still like my treats kind of thing. It's not all the time. But now and again, it's like, I, I want to spoil myself now and again. So I look at it like my carbs. I suppose I look at carbs as like some people look at fat. So it's like my fat is my carbs and my carbs is my fat. And um, so I look at my carbs and I say, right, I can treat myself today. But then the rest of the weekend, I'm back on in my low carbs, high fats, proteins and things like that. So I, I look at it like people look at fats and think, oh, I can't have that because it's, it's a lot of fat. That's how I kind of look at carbs. I, I look at it that kind of way. If that makes sense. Um, well, I'm struggling to see it. But uh, so, so how do you mean that your carbs are like fat? Do you mean it's an energy source? Well, um, not not so much like an energy source. I do sometimes feel if I have a little bit of carbs before um, my workout, I do perform a little bit better. But when I mean have carbs for my my workout. I'm not saying like I have a bowl of pasta. It, it's more of it could just be a little bit of sugar. Like even if I have like one, or not even like one sugar in my tea or anything, because I don't have sugar in my tea or anything. But it's just that little bit of carbohydrates, which could only be maybe like I don't know, like one square of a chocolate bar or something, and then oh, that would really? be enough. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not like i got to have like a carb meal before my workout. It's just that little tiny bit that I think kind of, I feel, whether it's psychological or something, but I feel like if I have a little tiny bit of sugar, then my performance in the gym seems a lot better. I'm not saying it, it, it makes it better, but it, I don't know whether it's, like I said, it could be psychological. Yeah, I think but it I might feel, be. But I feel I'm... like it helps. In, in, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. if it helps. I mean, I think that's it. what's really strange is, you, I mean, you've been a personal trainer since 20, uh, 2001, I think. So that's, that, yeah. you know, that's 22 years. I've had a this sort of conversation with 
with coaches more than anyone else because it's very mm. deeply ingrained when you I mean I did the personal training level three yeah. level four certificates and carbs are pushed so much I think it does it does find itself really deeply rooted in your brain I don't feel like I need carbs anymore but I, I totally understand that mm. if it makes you perform better yeah but it's like anything it's like, that works works you know do it yeah but it's it's like it's I suppose it's like when people have a, like a pre workout. You don't always want a pre workout every time you you train. But sometimes it's like oh I got to have it or I can't train. Yeah. So I think it's more stuck in your head, kind of. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in sport, there's the you know the people there are superstitions. You know, uh, being the last one out, uh, putting your trainer on your right trainer yeah, on. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like having your favorite socks when you when you you play and stuff yeah it's it's i suppose it is but it's not all the time it's not like i gotta have carbs every single time mm. but sometimes i do feel like if i notice i've had a little bit of carbs before my workout I, I i sometimes feel like oh yeah but i don't know whether the carbs help just with your like you 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 brain kind of thing if that makes sense where it kind of helps like in, in if the carbs work for you you your brain more than your body and i think yeah. sometimes it it helps that way, so maybe your body's like, oh, but we've got a little bit of carbon us now. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine, and and then it, it's like you just perform, man. But like I said, most of the time, most of the day, I don't have nothing. Most of the time, it's like I wake up in the morning, I just have coffee, and then I don't have my meal till seven eight o'clock in the evening, and then that's basically it from Monday to Friday. Weekends, I tend to let it slack a little. Because um, I got the kids and they have like Sunday dinners and and things like that. But Monday to Friday, it's quite strict. Where it's it's almost like a twenty four hour kind of fasting because I only have the one meal a day, and I find doing that works best for me. I've been doing it for about three months, and um, it's like I am lost loads of weight through it, which I thought I might have, but it's kind of helped me stay around eighty kilos. And I'm thinking, like before, we think that, you know, carbs in, carbs out. And if you look at how many carbs I'm having, or calories, should I say, um, it's not a lot, but I'm still maintaining 80 kilos. So I sometimes think that when people say calories in and calories out, does does it, is it really, does it really work? Because if you look at how much I eat, and then you look at how heavy I am, you, you'd swear I, I would be, I should be like 60 kilos or something, or 140 pounds. And uh, I'm not, I'm 80 kilos and I'm only having one meal a day. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's, it works for me anyhow. Yeah, it's the quality of the nutrients. I mean, if you yeah. eat the same amount of calories and it was all donuts, I think you would look very different and not be very strong. I, I, yeah. One of the favorite metrics that I like, and you put it in your sort of backstory when you emailed me, is you had a waist of 45 inches at one point. Yeah, I did. What, what is, yeah. What is it now? It's it's around 35, 36 at the moment. And that's like around the belly button because I always measure the same, around the belly button. Like some people like yeah. to measure under the belly and I think, oh, yeah, look, I can fit in a size 30 jeans, but your belly's hanging over the edge of it. So yeah. I always measure on the belly button. That's a good point. And, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so how tall are you? Just so people get some context. So, I'm not very tall. I'm five foot five. So I'm five foot five. I'm 80 kilos and uh, 46 years age. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Cool. So you started yeah. off quite slim. Um, when did you actually 
decide that you needed to look at your nutrition or did you, when did you sort of realize that your weight management wasn't where you wanted um, to be? I was always like, like when I played rugby and out there, I was always only about nine and a half stone. I was only like 140 pounds, something like that. And um, I stayed that till I was about, I think, 25. And then I got, um, I think from about 25, I think your body just changes. And then all of a sudden, then I started piling on the weight. And then I think over 10 years, you don't know what to say. When you put on like a pound, you don't know what to say. Put on a stone, you think, oh, yeah, it's only a stone. It's just any other. And then it wasn't until I was in my 30s that, all of a sudden, I just wanted to be, because I was doing strength training, I just thought bigger was better. So I thought that i just get as big as I can, big as I can. i eat as much as I could. And I wasn't worried about, oh, if i got a big belly, it doesn't matter. As long as I was lifting more on the bar, I was fine. I, I wasn't interested in it. But then what I found then, from about the age of 25 till about, I'd say about five years ago, I always had, like, back problems. And um, I got diagnosed with slight scoliosis, which I think about 90% of the population got like a slight scoliosis. Anyhow, it's like a posture type thing. And um, if when I was rugby coaching, if I stood for too long, so if I had like a, a kid's mini tournament, I couldn't stand all the way through the tournament because my back would ache. If I was in um, like standing in Tesco's in the queue, um, but the times I, I guess served, my back would ache. And, um, but I was getting stronger at the same time. So I ignored it. And, um, I had that for about, I don't know, I say nearly 20 years. I dealt with it and it did affect me, like work wise, that I couldn't do certain things like factory work. I couldn't really work on production lines because of the standing freight hours. I couldn't do it. But yeah, I was still getting stronger. So I just kind of brushed it to one side. Then um, during COVID, I think I went to my biggest because I just ended up, because I wasn't training. And I think I was living mostly on like bottles of Lucasade and simple meals and, and things. And I got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I thought it's getting to the point now where even putting my shoelaces to tie my shoelaces up, I could feel the, the high blood pressure in my head. So, and I, and I just thought, you know, maybe I need to start doing it and slim down a little. And then that's when I met Richard and I thought, I don't know whether you call it fate. I don't know whether you call it just coincidence, but it's like when I met Richard, it was just like, and he he said about things and he said about how he went from A to B. And I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. And it happened to be around Christmas time. And I thought, oh, you know, Christmas, you always got the treats, you always got the chocolates and the, the the, the mince pies and everything and I thought no I'll, I'll I'll give it a go and see how it goes and um and literally within three months by roughly around March I'd lost around 20-25 kilos and it, it just just fell off me I think because it was all belly I think that's how I lost it a lot quicker because it wasn't like in my thighs and my arms because I was always training so my legs and my arms were okay it was just all like belly fat it was what people tend to call like a power belly. And um, I decided then, you know, to do the keto diet and give it a go. And I haven't really looked back since. I kind of stayed just slightly above keto, I suppose, because like weekends tends to be, you know, I let myself go a little, but I still keep it like really low. When I mean really low, it's like I, I'm around 50 grams-ish 
a day, if you want to put it on average, of carbs. So I still keep it as low as I possibly can. So I'm always conscious about, and that's what I mean by, I look at carbs as being fats. So when people look at fats and think, oh, I can't have that because it's really fatty. I look at that as in, oh, that's got a lot of carbs. So I can't have that. So that's what I, I mean by, I associate carbs like fats, not as in the energy so or sort of anything, just how you, how people preserve what they think, how bad fats are for you. That's how I kind of look at carbs. So I, I got the association where I can have the fats because that gives me all my energy source and that literally allows me to basically not eat all day. So if I have a, fat, a high fat meal in the evening, I don't need to have another meal until the following evening. So I'm good. But I know if I have a high carb diet, it's like I'll eat it, I'll feel bloated. But then two hours later, I'm thinking, oh, I, I, I want something else. And I want to eat again. So I I notice that if I keep it high protein, high fats, I only need to have like one meal a day. And I'm, like I said, I've been around 80 kilos now for about a year. So even doing this, it, I think it goes to show that you don't need like the calories like people think they need. Like you don't need to have like 2,000, 3,000 calories a day as such. Because I think mine's a lot less. But... I'm still training and my training hasn't been affected by it. I'm still got the same amount of energy that I normally have. And um and yeah, it's it's just just one meal a day basically. Fantastic. Yeah. Now you run a gym, don't you? So tell us a little bit about what you get up to. Um my gym is well then. <laughs> <laughs> and um we we but we're a community type gym and um we work with disability athletes. We work with the general public. Um, we work with other people who are into sports, whether it's rugby players. We've had football players in here in the past. Um, we have powerlifters and strength athletes, etc., etc. Um, we do tend to focus more on the disability side of things, and um, we do run a comp once a year with Iowa, which is um, the British Disability, which allows seated and standing athletes to compete. In, I suppose the easiest way to explain it, it's like a powerlifting comp. So um, they have like three lifts and they have three attempts on each one, just like you would with a powerlifting comp or a weightlifting comp, but it's catered towards disability athletes. So we do that once a year. And um, but majority of the time, we, we tend to try and cater for those that don't like big commercial gyms, those that um, find them quite intimidating or they want a quiet gym. Because as you can see, it's not the biggest of gyms, but it's it's a friendly gym. It's a community gym. We, we are in a community center as well, and, um, and and yeah, it's I think that's best way to describe it. I think. When did so, you start running the gym and the comp? The, the- um, I started running it. Um, the competition wise, um, I've been with Iowa since about two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen, and. We set up the disability side of things, um, I think, during COVID, because we noticed there was a lot of um, disability strongman comps going around. So we thought that um, we could kind of do the same because we're not limited on the lifts that you could do. So it wasn't just like you can only do X amount of lifts. We had quite a variety. So we decided during COVID that we'll set up um, a disability comp, and then I think it was 2001, we done our first one, 
where Richard came and sponsored the event and it went really well. We had 10 lifters at the time and it's kind of grown each year, which is really good and it's getting kind of popular. And um, the gym started, 2018, we started the gym. So just before COVID came around and uh, and like you mentioned earlier, I've been a PT on and off since 2001 where I did live out in Guernsey for a bit. And um, and yeah, it's, it's just been, sports has just been part of my life. Most, most of my year, most of my life, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice that you're giving something back as well. I mean, I'm I'm officially disabled because of my hair yeah. since I was 23, but I don't really think of myself like that. Um, and I mm-hmm. think most people with a disability, I mean, I've been in all walks of life and I've actually spoken at events and stuff. They don't see it like that at all. It's just a thing they've got, you know, they just get on with. And I think it's amazing yeah. you've got people yeah. competing. I just want to just quickly ask you the difference between a strongman competition and a powerlifting competition. A strongman competition and a powerlifting competition, it's basically, um, as a quickest way to describe it, is strongman is outdoors, powerlifting is indoors. But powerlifting is um, three lifts. So you've got, Squats, bench, and deadlift. Um, strongman could be anything from lifting beer barrels to deadlifting cars, using thicker bars than what you would with a powerlifting comp. Um, it tends to have more events. Um, yeah, I think I think I saw a strongman competition where really? I had to carry a fridge or refrigerator for the Americans on their back for like. 100 meters or something. Yeah, it's just some, they do do some crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not what you've done, though. You, you're more of a power lifter, I'm assuming. I'm more of a power lifter. I've done the odd strongman comp in the past, but I've entered them. But being five foot five, um, a lot of it's quite difficult because where they got like the Atlas stones, you've got like concrete balls, and um, you've got to lift them onto a platform. Sometimes, Nine times out of ten, that platform's taller than me, so it's it's you know it's not easy for the short person. No, so, uh, but yeah. they, they divide it by weight, don't they? Not height so much, I think. Um, the strongman comp, I think it it it's because I think majority of the athletes, and I'd say roughly around six foot, five foot ten, six foot. So the platforms tend to be like their chest height. So, of course, their chest height is my head height. Mm. So, it's, it's not always easy. But the powerlifting comps, they, they're a little bit better because they are age categories, weight categories. Obviously, you've got the male, female, etc. So, they're a little bit, you're up against someone your own size and weight kind of thing. So, it's a little bit better. But with the strongman comp, it's, it's basically the taller you are, the more advantage you've got because then the platform's basically lower down so it's, it's easier it's 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 fascinating isn't it because it's such a niche but i think powerlifting seems to be coming more common rather than yeah. just working yeah, in the gym popular. yeah and you get a lot of um people in the gym even though they might not compete in powerlifting they'll still sometimes call themselves powerlifters because they do the three lifts and because um, they do the squats, the bench, the deadlifts, and then they, they kind of class themselves, oh, I'm a powerlifter, and they never always compete. But it's it's getting very popular. Like, I went to the 
British, I think not last year, was it last year, not the year before. And um, it was probably, it lasted a week. And even just for my category, which was um, the the raw, men's raw, and I think it was between, I think, 82 kilos and above. So you had 82 and a half, 90, 110 class, and then it went all the way up to like 140 plus categories. That was just for one day. And then you had another day then where you'd have the ones who were below 82 and they might be with somebody else. But it lasted a week. And I think there was about 300 lifters altogether for the old British competition. So it, it's some federations is quite popular and it's quite a big event. But, um, but with Iowa, we tend to have one day events. They're not as popular because we tend to do, um, kind of your old time lifts. So we do a lot of grip lifts. We do a lot of one handed lifts. Like um, like a one-handed deadlift, um, we do a variety of different squats, like a lunge squat, back squat, front squat. Um, we also do the Olympic lifts, but we also use like a two-inch bar, which some people know it as an axle bar. And we'll do hack lifts, straddle deadlifts, um, zercha lifts, and lots of other type of lifts. So the Iowa comps, it it's kind of Think of the old ma- old time circus ones where you see the barbell and you've got like the balls on the end. And um, think of those and some of the weird lifts that they would do in the gold, like black and white photos, and um, take some of the lifts that we kind of do. So usually, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating that you've been so honest about you had a dip in strength, but now at 46, you feel like your strength is coming back, even though you're you're lighter. And the yeah. recovery is better. So you're sorry. Yeah, my recovery is a lot better. And I think the only thing that's stopping me at the moment getting fully back to where I was is I just got a slight knee injury, which I'm waiting for results to come through. So my squats and my leg training isn't, well, it's pretty non-existent at the moment. But if you judge it on my upper body, then when i done, um, I think the best I've ever done overhead kind of press is about 80 kilos and um i think last week or this week i did i did 75 for one and uh, my bench the best i've done with a bench is 135 kilos and i'm around one 115 120 at the moment so considering i've lost like 25 kilos in body weight it's the strength is still starting to come back up and not worrying so much about I need to be bigger to be stronger kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, do you ever do pull-ups just out of interest? Pull-ups? I never used to do pull-ups. I did them when I was a kid. I was like a little monkey when I was a kid. But for a while I couldn't do it because it would like hurt my shoulders and I think because of my body weight as well, it was quite hard. But lately I can do pull-ups. I, it's only about... I think about eight pull-ups, but um, but I find now that I'm a lot lighter, it's it's a lot easier because I'm not lifting as much weight. So it's, uh, but yeah. Yeah, 90, 95% of men that go to the gym, 95% can't do mm-hmm. 10 pull-ups. So you're, I'm giving you a little target there if you want to do 10 yeah. pull-ups at some yeah. point, drop a video that you do it. Because that's one of my things that I like. I have a 
Mm. If people can't do pull-ups to do a dead hang, I think that's really good for strength, grip strength and all over yeah. your kinetic chain, I think, is um, improved by just dead hanging. So, that, mm. Neil, that's that's fantastic. That's really good. Um, hopefully, you'll be able to send me some stuff about your gym and some pictures of you competing. You did win one event, didn't you? I know this was before you were uh, low-carb or keto, but, you you know, you keeping your light under a bushel. Didn't you win something at AWPC or, some, or something? Um, I have won the Europeans. I won the Europeans about two, three years ago. That was when I was at my biggest and my strongest. So, and um, I came second in the Brits, which was my last powerlifting comp, which was, I think it was about a year ago. And then that's when my knee kind of said enough's enough. And I had to step away from it. Um, I got various world records with Iowa from finger lifts to squats. Um, a Steinborn lift, and the list kind of goes on. It. I think I've had about 12 or 14 Iowa world records. Um, whether they still stand in, I'm not sure, because that's over a span of about 10 years. So one or two may have been broken by other people. But I've had, I think in total, about, about 12 world records with Iowa. Um, yeah, I've had the Europeans with... ABPU, and I came second as well in the Brits with the ABPU. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, and and thanks for giving your time to the uh, disability athletes as well. I think that's good. Uh, I go, is I, good. Yeah, I go to a commercial gym, and I feel they're, they're a nice bunch there, but they don't really do much for the community um, or really yeah. get anything back. I don't see anyone ever walking around the gym giving tips or advice or motive. Well, it's sometimes I do commercial gyms, well, I think, because they're so busy and it's money-orientated. I think sometimes it's harder for commercial gyms. Not that they don't want to be helpful or anything, but I think sometimes it's just it's just the nature of the gym where it's, it's kind of more money-orientated. And with us, because it's a smaller and it's a community gym, everyone kind of helps everyone. So you're never like far away from someone to ask for advice and, and things. And I normally sat by your anyhow. So I'm always here on hand if anyone needs tips yeah. and advice and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a lot better as a community gym. You get a lot more support. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of people sign up for, I, I do an online training program. I've got one on my app, which is only £2.99 a month. And it's got videos and training programs and all that sort of sort of stuff. And, and they're quite happy with that. I think because of the videos, you still get a little personal touch. But it's, it's been really nice to talk to you. And um, like I say, if you've got any promotional material or nice pictures of your gym or something, we'll push that onto yeah. the video as well for people. And um if anyone wants to contact you, is it all right if I put your email address in the description? Yeah, you put my email address and, and things on there. I'm also on like Instagram, Facebook, a lot kind of stuff. So if they ever want to search me up, they can search the gym, which is Ked's Gym, or they can just type my name in. I think my name's quite quite rare. So you can find me on like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, etc., etc. Great stuff. Great stuff. So, yeah. yeah, and it's nice that um, I've met you through Richard. Because it was great that he sponsored that event. So, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. And it was really good. It was the first disability comp as well. And, and um, he came down and gave a lot of sponsor. Funny enough, I got to go and see him now in, in an hour's time. Because he's only literally 10, 15 minutes up the road from me. So, um, so yeah, we're going to see him now. And uh, we finished pretty good. 
So yeah, Cindy, my regards. Right, I really. Thank you for doing this. Oh, no problems. No problems. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favour to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.